Hey, this is Carla, and I'm with the Abode Dallas. This is the Abode House Church Podcast. Welcome to the Abode Church Podcast. The Abode Church is a group of house churches made up of believers who are coming together to become people who abide in Jesus. I am your host, Justin Tree, and I am super excited to be with you today. Hey guys, with me today on the Abode Podcast, we are going to be talking with Carla, who helps lead the Abode in Dallas alongside Allie. The Abode Dallas is our newest location, and they've only been going for about a month, but Carla has some wonderful insights to what is already going on there, as well as you just being able to get to know her and hear her testimony and story on how God has worked in her life and what she has learned along the way from him. I know you're going to be blessed by this talk with her, getting to listen in on our conversation. Afterwards, I'm going to recap a little bit of what I got from her, as I usually do, and then we're going to dive into a Devo for our time together this week. Thank you all for all that you all do, and thank you for being the abode. Continue to abide in Christ. Now, herein on my conversation with Carla. Carla, tell us about yourself some. Introduce us. Uh, Most of us don't know who you are since you're in Dallas, so introduce us a little bit about you and who you are. Sure. So I'm Carla. I am currently in, living in Dallas. I grew up in Houston, though. So I'm a student at Dallas Baptist uh, University. I currently am really just uh, focusing on my studies. I do have a job, but really just focusing on that. So as for like what I do for a living, I would just say I'm a full-time student. Awesome. What are you, what are you going to DBU for? So I'm studying business. I'm currently an entrepreneurship major, still sort of figuring out what it is that that looks like and after graduation, kind of what my potential occupation would be, but really would just say focusing on, on getting a business degree and sort of just juggling everything at once right now. Awesome. So tell us some about your testimony, your story. How did you come to know Christ and grow to who you are today? Sure. So I definitely grew up in the church. And so that was something that uh, I know I have had a lot in common with, with people that I've met through that. But I wouldn't say that originally my relationship with the Lord was something that I fully understood, if we're being honest. I think that probably once I got into middle school and was able to join a a youth group at my church is when things kind of started to click for me or make sense. And along the way, obviously, I've faced a lot of challenges. But when I first, when I originally kind of grasped the whole concept of what it is that that looked like, I was sort of just going through the motions of going through church, not really enjoying that at all, though, feeling really depressed at the time and sort of just trying to figure out how I could incorporate, you know, the Lord into my everyday life. So moving forward, when I got into high school, I would say that I really just kind of lost touch with that and wasn't really striving or I guess even just trying to grow in my relationship with the Lord. And I would say it honestly could have been really just lack of still understanding what that relationship was supposed to look like, how to navigate, you know, my everyday life in that. So I did, uh, I would say my, one of some of my biggest struggles were uh, had to do with self-image and partying and just surrounding myself with the wrong people. But, you know, still going to church on Sunday mornings and acting like I had it all together as I got toward it, as I got closer towards the end of my high school years. I, it was time for me to choose a school to go to, and I really wanted to go to the university that all my friends were going to. 
I sort of just kind of realized that for whatever reason, that wasn't what the Lord had for me. And it was really hard for me to kind of reroute and just realize that I had to let him come up with a new plan for the next four years of my life. As I handed that kind of just over to the Lord and let him decide for me, really, it was it was really hard for me. But I guess that's kind of when things started to make more sense to me and make me realize that I just had no control over a lot of what my life was going to look like. For me, choosing to come to DBU was an absolute last minute decision, and it wasn't one that I wanted to make. Honestly, my plan was even sort of, if this fails terribly, then I'm just going to transfer first chance I get. Now it's my sophomore year and there's a lot that's happened since, um, you know, the end of my high school years through college, but I've been able to see the Lord grow tremendously in my life and in the ways that he's just given me the opportunities to follow him. And so I would say that since I joined the abode in Houston about a year, I joined the abode in Houston about probably a couple years ago, or no, I'm sorry. It was about a year ago that I joined. And so I I kind of got to connect with Austin and Anna and realized that uh, it was really, I was really sad for me when I had to leave and come back to college and not get to be a part of that. And so one thing that I talked to Austin about was maybe the possibility of starting this in Dallas. And at the beginning, it was definitely a scary thing for me and felt everything but equipped. But as I got to connect with Allie, who's also someone who I met through the abode in Houston, I realized so she was actually coming to DBU in fall of that semester. And so that was kind of a crazy thing. And we'd sort of talked about maybe thinking about starting it here. And it just sounded like a little a little much at the time. And I tend to preoccupy myself with a lot of things. And so I was not fully there with the idea. But I definitely continued to pray about it and kind of realized that it wasn't really up to me. And I felt like God was just really leaning or having me lean towards the idea of actually jumping into that and stepping into that position was definitely something that was, um, again, not I didn't feel ready, but I have just allowing myself to be led by others in this and in turn lead others has been uh, incredibly wo- rewarding with its challenges, but rewarding. Yeah, I can just say from someone who has a few years of full-time ministry experience that I still don't think I'm ready fully. I mean, it's a huge call if you think about it, and a huge responsibility to shepherd and to lead something that we think to be so serious and ultimate, but it's incredible to see how the Lord continues to empower you. And like Paul says, in our weakness, he's made strong. But it's also super cool to get to equip and gather other people around you to do that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that specifically some of the conversations that I've been able to have with Austin and uh, with Ali as well, who leads with me, have been incredibly empowering and humbling as well to realize that right, it's right or it's, that's true. I'm absolutely not ready. Um, but there's a lot that can be learned from that. And there's a lot of good challenges that have allowed me to sort of just give that over to the Lord and know that that's okay. And that there's still a lot that I can learn, but that's been really good. Yeah. So you actually joined the abode like in high school. So are you from like that Klein Oak area? 
of the Woodlands? Well, actually, so I joined after the first year of college. Okay. Um, I grew up going to Woods Edge. Okay. And yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the place where I met a lot of people that still go to the abode. And so mm-hmm. a friend of mine brought me one day and I, it was just really refreshing to, you know, get to connect with some people that I'd known briefly, but also just to spend that time growing in our relationships and, uh, you know, walking with a similar goal. It's super cool that just seeing a church as big as Woods Edge, the connection that you can have there. I grew up at Woods Edge as well. And what actually grew my family and really drew my family in is my mom is a twin. And we went to a different church for my whole early life. And one day the deacons of the church pulled aside my uncle and let him know that his wife was having an affair. Because even though we had been members there for like 10 years, they could not tell the difference between my mom and my aunt and their husbands. Even though the church was big, but not as big as Woods Edge. Our second week at Woods Edge, Jeff Wells greeted my parents by name. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't quite as big as it is now. But that's actually where me and Austin met. We were in a small group growing up in middle school and high school. And when we moved back to the Houston area, when we stepped out of the ministry that I was leading in Palestine, me and Austin and some other friends kind of led a Thursday night high schoolers only small group in high school. And so coming back, I I saw the abode from afar and I was like, me and my wife need to get into this for that community. It just, as you were talking about that, because I figured listening to that, that maybe you had Woods Edge ties. It's just so cool to see a place so big being so faithful and intentional and connected. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've heard a lot of people's different perspectives or kind of backgrounds growing up in the church. And I'm really thankful that I got to experience a lot of real community and real people centered around uh, still a big church, but um, I mean, it just didn't feel that way. You know, Mm -hmm. there was still a lot of relationships that I have today still. And I don't know, it was just, it was a really good, a really good thing to have for me, at least growing up. So you've shared with us a little bit about who you are, Carla, and your testimony and how God has been moving in your life. Looking back on how he's grown you and how he's guided you to this point and this call that you feel with leading the abode and just shepherding in God's kingdom. What do you think is maybe the message or the purpose that God has laid on you to share with other people, not just with the abode, but in your life in general? What's the message God's placed on your heart? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned before, uh, when I first kind of encountered the Lord was, uh, I was a lot younger. So kind of in the transition from middle school to high school and as I'm sure a lot of people have experienced in that time of their lives, um, I just felt so alone. And like, (laughs) like, I just didn't feel like anyone really understood that and that um, I was walking through life just on my own, trying to navigate what it is that that looked like. And along with that, I felt just like so unloved by people like my friends, not so much my family, but just other people around me. And in this world, I just didn't feel like I had so much of a purpose and feeling that lack of love and then coming to know the Lord and realizing that there's just there was so much love there that he had for me was a crazy experience when I first 
sort of encountered that. So coming from feeling like I didn't have an identity to then that being replaced with feeling loved was incredible. And so in the years kind of after that, not only was that affirmed in my life that I was loved, but also that I was made to love others. And that something that is so was so important for me at the time that I didn't feel loved, you know, to kind of to come forward and feel that love from Christ and also know other believers that did accept me for who I was and were just speaking love over me. I realized how important it was to sort of be that for other people as well. So something that seems like such a simple message of just being a lover and being someone after other people um, and just wanting to affirm them and encourage them in their walk with the Lord or even just wherever they are in life. That's something that I've realized is just so important. To kind of sum that up, I just feel like it's so important to love others where they're at and ultimately just share. The reason that it's so important to share that is because that's what Christ first did for us. And so I feel like if we're to approach other people with that same attitude in mind, there's a lot of anger and hostility that just sort of dissolves from that immediate first interaction or however long it is that you are to sort of just have that attitude with others, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've shared this before, I think, in my talk with Austin, but it's something that I talk about all the time. You know, Jesus says that his disciples should be known by how they love other people. Jesus surrounded himself with the outcasts, the people who no one else would love. And yet today, so much of the church, especially in America, we're known for what we hate and not really for the way that we love. So hearing so many people with this abode, I I know it's not just the abode, there's other churches as well, but hearing young people who are walking away from the church typically and stereotypically people our age are leaving their faith, but seeing people who are like, no, this is something that has radically changed me and I want to show that same radical, relentless, crazy love that God's shown me to other people. Um, It's just an inspiring and just an awesome type of thing that honestly is what we need if we're going to to reach the world for Christ. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think that the more that we show that and press into that, it might not be that, you know, we change everyone in the church and how they're to treat everyone. But I still think that it's those, those small actions that we take towards the kingdom and following him that... Yeah are still able to affect a lot of people that might have misconceptions about what it is that Christ's love really looks like. And also at the same time, there's a lot of ways that I live my life differently because I know the Lord, or the, because I know the love of Christ that other people have, like they don't get to delight in. And so I just feel that the more that we kind of press into that, it can be, it can be really liberating for a lot of people to experience as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, just kind of moving on, what is it that led you to start the abode? You you touched on this a little bit, but just kind of bring back that and, and what it was that really led you to starting the abode in Dallas. So for me, it was at first not something that I thought that I was super ready for or that I had the time for or that was a calling on my life because I feel like it's a it's a big responsibility to be a leader you know and to feel like you there's a lot of people I have seen in ministry that have had all this preparation for it and you know they've had this 
kind of prophetic message spoken over their lives for so long. And that wasn't something that I felt that I had right off the bat, you know, I just, I know that the Lord calls us to be leaders and to do great things for the kingdom. And I didn't think that I had the, almost the skill set, you know, to be the one to really step out and do that. So it was definitely a challenge. And just so it was really hard at the beginning to think that I could do something like that. The more that I sort of prayed about it and talked to Austin, especially about it, it wasn't so like the focus was kind of just removed from me and what I was doing and what I could be prepared for. But a lot more about how I could just share the gospel and share Christ's love that I've experienced in my life with others. And so once I sort of took away the focus of that, it was a lot easier to say, I, you know, I don't have control over what it looks like to. So the, the more that I kind of lost control over that, it was it was really cool to see what sort of things I felt the Lord just placing in my heart to do. And, you know, specifically to starting the abode in Dallas, it was, it, again, I've faced my challenges and all, but that was sort of my reason for following that call and allowing the Lord to just use me in that. Yeah. What has been some of the challenges to starting up the abode in Dallas so for us, I would say the biggest challenges were probably very focused on ourselves and what we were going to do and what it was going to look like. And so it led us to believe, you know, it's going to might be awkward at this time or we might not see the right things or pray the right things. And so kind of taking that focus off of what we were going to do and more so on what the Lord is going to do in that time has been really freeing, but still those thoughts come back all the time where we're like, will this speak enough or what, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. So, uh, another thing is sort of just realizing that it's not up to us who comes back next week or who decided to listen to this word and then really implement that in their lives over the following week. There's still been a lot of freedom in realizing that I'm not responsible over people's obedience or whatever towards me, but I'm supposed to remain obedient to the Lord and people's reactions aren't gonna, aren't gonna be on me. Yeah, going a little bit off script, this is actually something that I wish I would have been able to talk about a little bit with Neam. I actually thought about it after he had sent me his audio recordings, but I was just curious, especially since you've been both a member of the abode in Houston, as well as now leading in Dallas, is there anything that y'all do differently to maybe kind of make it your own? I mean, Houston, you have a set of leaders who have been there for a couple of years doing things that they entrench with their personalities and, and who they are. Is there anything that you and Allie have maybe done? I know y'all are still pretty fresh in leading this abode group, but is there anything y'all have done to kind of um, make it your own and kind of claim it? Yeah, so... One of the things that we were kind of scared about at the beginning was um, what ours was going to look like sort of in comparison to Houston. Yeah. And uh, a big freedom that we had in getting to start our own group was just having kind of just having Austin affirm us in letting us kind of do our own thing. And we all have the same mission and we have a heart for the same things, but it might look different from Houston and like, that's okay. 
So that being said, there's been a lot of a lot of prayer over what it is that I guess the structure would look like. And the more that we've prayed about that and leaned into what it is that that should look like, the more we've wanted to sort of break those stereotypes for what it is that a Bible study should look like and what the structure should look like. So it's been not to say that there's no planning for it, but it's been a lot less focused on you know, from this time to this time, we're, we're going to do this or that. And so not that I would say that there it's not a huge difference with Houston, because I know in Houston, there's still not too much structure, which I personally am a fan of just because it allows for a lot more realness. Sometimes some of the differences, I would say, however, have just been um, that this past month that we have been having it, we've been looking heavily into the book of Galatians and so hasn't been so much teaching on the book but more so just lingering in uh, reading a scripture and kind of just seeing what that has meant for the different people that are there that week or um, just kind of letting it soak in you know so um, that's been something that for me at least has been refreshing because it's so hard for me to just sit with my thoughts and not be focused on what comes next or what I have to do, but just sort of let that let that thought linger. So it's been, I would say it's been good in, in doing that and still challenging, but good, yeah. Awesome. Well, as we are starting to come to a close, what is your hope for the abode looking forward? Maybe your ideal dream for the coming months and years for the abode in Dallas? I would say both Allie and I would probably answer that a lot of uh, our heart behind this because we're both college students is reaching people that might come to the school and either be kind of lost about where they are in their walk with the Lord or just not have one at all. So I know that this can be a really challenging time in people's lives my age, um, especially because we all come from different backgrounds and not everyone comes to a Baptist school because they have some sort of religious background. So kind of wanting to come to people that are on the same boat as we are, either with uh, similar or totally different perspectives, and just kind of want to band together and join in community while doing that. Something that would be big for the both of us, I would say. So I know there's a ton of a ton of people on our college campus that can definitely be, be blessed by a time in community where you know, they're far away from home and it can still be such a, a difficult time to navigate. But a lot of uh, a lot of that and then also people who you would never imagine in a church setting, uh, because I know that both of us have been in that time in our lives where we just feel totally disconnected from that world. And so to just kind of be with people that wouldn't be your typical churchgoers, I think ultimately would be a great vision to see that. And so our heart is still just to to lead other people and towards the kingdom and join in that together so I would say people that normally aren't a part of that scene we would love to just just invite them and you know have that time to to do that together yeah it's crazy now that both me Austin and now you have all mentioned that just because it's a Christian college does not mean that everyone is Christian In fact, both Austin and I both shared some faith struggles that we personally had in college. And I was a Bible major, you know, and it's just a time where just like anyone else is, it's you having to go from a faith that you grew up with with your parents to a faith that 
you are making your own. You know, now it's Carla's faith, it's Josh's faith, it's Austin's faith, and how does that look? And what I had a blessing with is my wife and I, both with some of my college professors, as well as the church that we were involved in, we got involved with other people and community who were able to help us as we were walking through these struggles and these issues to piece our faith together, because your faith is going to get knocked down and, and cracked and shattered. But just like, you know, when you work out how to use a metaphor, you tear those muscles, the strength comes from them building back together stronger than they were before. And I think faith is kind of similar. I've had numerous things that have rocked my faith and just brought it to what seemed like pieces. And it's the both the love of Christ, don't get me wrong, like obviously God and, and Jesus are first and foremost in that and the Holy Spirit working inside of me, but also bringing around a community of believers surrounding me, helping me pick it back up and figure out how it looks together. And so that's super cool that that's y'all's dream. And y'all have such an ideal place to do it on a college campus when statistics show that 50% of people who grew up in a youth group are going to be leaving their faith, whether they're at a Christian school or not. Yeah, no, that's, it's super crazy to still see that statistic, I guess, becoming true with people that I go to class with or um, people that I did grow up going to youth group with. But I especially remember coming in as a freshman and knowing that I, it wasn't going to be easy to continue to pursue the Lord, but it was definitely something that I was now going to have to put more effort into. And if that meant waking up earlier on uh, on Sunday mornings or uh, just every day, you know, having to have that intentional time with the Lord and also just realizing that that wasn't on my parents and it wasn't on my youth group leader, but on me, it was it was just a wake up call. And so I know that a lot of freshmen that co have come in that we've gotten to to visit with in our small groups have absolutely been faced with the same challenges. Um, it's really cool too. I mean, I'm only a year older, but even just that year taught me so much that I can now, you know, at least be a friendly face for people that are going through those same struggles. And we are able to try and provide that space for people to come and get away from those distractions in life and whatever papers are due or uh, just everything that's going on and get to sit together with people who have similar beliefs and just get to uh, get to grow in that community. Yeah, for sure. Well, Carla, thank you for your time. Do you have anything that you'd like to leave the abode community with before we, we close out? Well, um, thank you for, uh, for having me. And I just, I just wanted to really just say that I've been so grateful for how much I've learned in, you know, in trying to teach others how much the, that kind of return investment has been in my, in my life personally, just surrounding myself with people who I know are always going to encourage me and, you know, have that community of prayer and that attitude of wanting to band together has been incredibly enriching in my life. So I'm just so thankful for that and for everyone who has uh, encouraged me in the times that I've needed it most. So yeah, that's what I, that's all I want to say. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for your time, Carla. Yeah, no, thank you so much. <laughs> hey guys, wasn't that awesome getting to hear from Carla? I really enjoyed my time getting to speak with her and getting to know her a bit more. 
three big highlights that I took from her conversation that could maybe benefit all of us, but I just want to highlight for Carla in particular is one, we live in a culture where especially women, but men as well, are taught that our worth comes from our self-image. And you heard that in her testimony that she struggled with the while, for a while with self-image. But Christ, our worth in him doesn't come from our image, but rather it simply comes from the fact that he loves us. Christ is more worried about our heart. And when we have faith in him and we trust him, he transforms us and he never requires us to be enough because we're never going to be, but he loves us regardless. And through him, we are enough. Secondly, I found it awesome how Carla mentioned that Austin has given her and Allie freedom to lead the abode in Dallas using their own characters and personalities rather than fitting the same mold that it looks like in Houston. And while it may be similar, it does look a little bit different and they have the freedom to do that Paul talks about in his letters that he becomes all things to all people off the top of my head. I think it's 1 Corinthians 9. I'm sorry if I'm mistaken. But Paul talks about to the Jews he became a Jew and to the Greeks he became Greek. And all these things, he, he did all these things. He became strong to the strong and weak to the weak so that he may reach some for the gospel. But ultimately he was able to be who Paul was and he didn't have to fit any one particular mold and that's an incredible thing for us to be able to realize, not just for ministry aspect, for our personal life as well, because my faith and my relationship with Christ and the way I live out the calling he has on my life is going to be much different than the way Carla is with hers and Austin is with his and Neam is with his and my wife Taylor is with hers. We are each called to a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, and he's given us each unique callings and giftings to live inside. And yes, we all have these general callings to reach and to share and to love, but we're also given unique ones to live inside as well. Finally, isn't it awesome to hear that Carla has come to realize that her responsibility is not for the faithfulness and the obedience to others, but simply the calling that God has given to her. It is so refreshing when we realize that everyone else, while we may be called to love them, to serve them, to whatever, ultimately their faith and everything that they will have to answer for one day is not weighed upon our shoulders, but we're only called to be faithful and obedient to our own calling because we can't cause the growth. We can't cause supernatural to occur. We can only share the love and the gospel of Christ with others and hope that they're receptive to it and that the Holy Spirit works inside of them. But it's so freeing when we realize that we're freed from their responsibility to only be called to be responsible to that which God has given to us. Guys, as awesome as that conversation was with Carla, and I hope you've gotten some things to take away from and to think upon, let's now turn to our Devo for today. So today for my Devo, I want to talk about how Jesus was actually somewhat of a troublemaker. Now hear me out, because obviously Jesus wasn't getting in trouble for doing bad things, but Jesus lived so radically different than the expectations that were set out before him, than the way that the other religious leaders at the time lived their lives. Jesus sought out conflict, and he sought out to get into conversations with people, not in a way that was aggressive or demeaning, but in ways to show the truth and to enlighten many false beliefs 
that were being accepted at that time. Jesus would go out of his way to do things that other people would avoid, like when he's with his disciples and he decides to go across the sea after he finishes teaching to heal the demoniac that has the demon legion living inside of him. It seems like no reason other than to simply free that man because it says that right after that they go back across the sea to where they were before when they had crowds around them and Jesus was teaching and he was popular. Yet he goes out of his way and he steps into a troubling situation with this demoniac simply to release him from bondage. And so that trouble isn't a bad thing, but it's actually Jesus being Jesus. But he broke the norms that people had set up. He broke the way that things had always been done. And isn't he so great in the way that he did these things? So Jesus not only got himself into trouble, but he was also constantly getting his followers into trouble as well because they were following behind him, right? They're in these situations. They're breaking the norms of society alongside Jesus. And then in Mark 8, we see Jesus with his call into the biggest trouble of all, the biggest call to trouble that Jesus calls his disciples, we find. And so Peter says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yes, I am. Now let me tell you what that means. It means that the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed and after three days. I'm going to rise again. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him saying, get behind me, Satan. And while that comment in itself is a talk for another day, right after Jesus says that, he says, now let me tell you what it means to be the followers of the Messiah. If any one of you wants to follow me, you are going to deny yourself. You're going to be willing to die to follow me. Because if you lose your life, you're going to actually find it in me. But if you're trying to save it, you're actually going to lose it. And that's the call that Jesus has for us into trouble. We like to think so often that following Jesus is just going to be, you know, skipping through field of flowers and off into the rainbow and the sunset. But Jesus is calling those following him into trouble. He's calling us to come and die so that we may find true life. See, when we die to ourselves, we find the true life that we find only in Jesus. Jesus is saying, I laid down my life for you. Are you willing to lay down your life for other people? That is what agape love is. It's to put others' needs over your own. It's to it's that completely self-emptying, selfless love that is all concerned about the other and not at all about the self. John 15 tells us that we know love. He says that, that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for their friends. And yes, Jesus laid down his life for us. But 1 John 3.16 tells us just as we know love because Christ laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. I'm so glad that when Jesus came down, he wasn't weighing the cost to follow for what was in it for him compared to the cost benefit, the risk reward analysis of, well, what do I get in response to this? But no, he came down selflessly for you and for me and for the world so that we could be reconciled. And that's what love is. That is the trouble that Jesus sought out. That's why Peter says, no, Jesus, you can't do this. You're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, exactly. Because I'm the Messiah, that is exactly why I must die. 
he didn't come to be served but to serve now one time a, a famous theologian was asked do you enjoy what you do any person responded he said i need a little bit to think about this he sat there for a time and he said never once have i wondered if this will bring me the most happiness and pleasure rather he said there are many moments that i enjoy there are many moments where I take great joy in, and overall I do, but I don't do it for my happiness. But I do it for Christ. And that's what it means to die to ourselves and find life in Christ because that's ultimately where we will find the joy because happiness is fleeting, but joy is a mindset. It is a place of the heart that can only be found when we are abiding in Christ. When we die to our own wants, and desires and we live for his we find the true joy the true freedom that he calls us to with relationship to him with ministry to others with outreach and we find in that moment that we make a bigger stand in leadership a bigger stand in our identity and everything else than we could ever imagine because when we die to ourselves, we find true life we find life in Christ we find relationship with him we find the purpose of what it is that Christ has called us to there are many moments of pleasure in the Christian life but even better than that is the deep and steadfast joy knowing that we have a purpose and that we're always able to rest in the presence of the one who loves us most but pleasure and happiness and joy they're gifts that we receive but they're not the reason that we choose to be a Christian because if I can be just frank with you, being a Christian oftentimes is going to be hard. I mean, if we look at our Messiah, the one whom we follow after, he stepped out of heaven. Think about that. He was in heaven in eternity. There was no pain. There was no hurt. Yet, for our sake, he stepped down and took on flesh. He emptied himself of his nature and God to fully live as human to know what it meant to actually suffer he didn't avoid these things in every turn of Jesus's life he could have given up in the garden he says don't you know I could have called down thousands upon thousands of angels and everything would have been done but no because that's not my purpose Jesus put down laid down his own life for the sake of God and guess what in that Jesus while yes there was that time of angst and you don't believe me it says that Jesus sweat blood and that is actually something that's scientifically proven as possible at the utmost anxiety level that one can reach that like the the highest level of anxiety you can reach causes one to sweat blood and in the garden Jesus is doing that Jesus knows most deeply what it means to be human because he stepped down and he experienced the one thing that is God he could not experience being death and he died on that cross and was resurrected three days later for you and for me he didn't avoid it he didn't skip out on it he took it on for us he laid down his life and he conquered death so that we could die to ourselves and find life in him so for my Devo today, I guess my question is, are you willing to follow Jesus into trouble? Are you willing to get into trouble with Jesus and lay down your life to follow him? Because you will find these gifts of joy and pleasure 
and happiness and all these good gifts that come from Jesus. But there's also going to be those times of hardship. There's going to be that time when trouble comes knocking and Jesus calls us to embrace it, to stand up just as he did, to lay down our lives for those around us, to put their needs first, not to look to our own interest, but to the interest of others. To end with Philippians 2, I'm not going to read it word for word, but it says that Jesus, he stepped down, he emptied himself, and became obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. And here's what I know, is that from Philippians 2, there's two mindsets that we need to have that we see in Christ Jesus. So first, Jesus has this vertical mindset where he is so close with the Father. So he has this vertical mindset with God the Father, but he also has a horizontal mindset for those around him. So he's completely submitted to the will of God and completely submitted to serve those around him. And that is what it means to die to ourselves. That's what it means to have the mindset of Christ that we are to have. It can only come from abiding. We can't do it of our own will and strength. So my question for you is, are you willing to follow Jesus into trouble? Are you willing to die to yourself and find the joy and the happiness and the life and the freedom that comes with living in Christ? Dear God, we thank you for all that you're doing with the abode and the house churches being planted across the world with the abode, God. We want to lift up, especially this week, Dallas and their new ministry, God, on this college campus as they're continuing to reach lives for you, for Carla and for Allie. But this week, we especially want to highlight Carla as we spoke with her, God, that you can continue to grow in her, to empower her. While she may not feel fully ready, God, we know that we never will be, but yet you still empower us. You still use us, God. So we pray that she can be a vessel for your spirit, for your glory, for your love, to embody that and to show that to those around here, God. Thank you for being so loving and incredible, God. We pray they can continue to abide in you and we as well. We love you and thank you. It's in the power of Jesus Christ, holy and precious name, and by the power of the Spirit that we pray. Amen. Friends, brothers, and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the power of Christ and in the power of his Spirit. Continue to abide in him and have a blessed week.